Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Suntress here. It's uh, the beginning of Labor Day weekend, and I wanted to get out a couple episodes for the weekend because, you know, people are on the road. I know that, uh, you know, sometimes road trips, podcasts are your best friend when you're on a road trip. Gives you something to listen to when you got the long drive and stuff. And uh, I'm happy to help uh, make the drive go a little bit easier with some new conversations. And we got a good one for you today. Jason Inman, who is part of DC All Access, he does all the videos for DC. He's one of the DC hosts, does great interviews and great presentations, um, and also has his own podcast that he does. But uh, we're here to talk about Star Trek because he and I uh, bonded uh, over San Diego Comic Con. And one of the things we bonded over was Star Trek, and uh, I, I knew I was going to want him on the show. He and uh, his lovely wife, Ashley, uh, they are really great people, and it was so lovely to meet them at Comic-Con. We were both waiting for Tom King to show up at the Hyatt, and I happened to see him, and I recognized him, so I introduced myself, and w- what a nice thing that he's like, oh, I know you, Word Balloon. And that's always, like, the greatest compliment. I, You know, I, I know you're out there, and I appreciate everyone who listens but, you know, it's it's really exciting to meet new people. It, it happened a lot at San Diego, uh, new listeners. And, uh, you know, so this is a great opportunity for us to have a fun conversation. Now, he and Ashley have this great comic coming out soon from Action Lab, Jupiter Jet, which is uh, a really fun comic that is uh, coming up in a couple months. But uh, I knew there was a million things that I wanted to talk to about Jason on the podcast because we had so much fun. I mean, we really did spend a couple hours talking waiting for Tom King uh, and and other friends, and just ended up having this lovely conversation, uh, Ashley, uh, Jason, and myself. And uh, Ashley's going to be on a future episode as well because she's she's really fun. And uh, it's, it's a great opportunity to talk about Star Trek because, of course, Star Trek Discovery is coming up. But we talk about our love of Star Trek in general. Jason went to the Star Trek Las Vegas convention, which is always, like, one of the biggest Star Trek conventions of the year and... God, you know, the great thing is so many of the panels are available on YouTube. So uh, I encourage you, if you're a Star Trek fan, to uh, check them out. Of course you're a Star Trek fan. That's why you're listening to uh, this particular conversation. Star Trek Discovery is coming up, CBS All Access, in just a couple weeks. I can't believe it's finally coming. Um, I'm not crazy about the fact that they're breaking it up into two seasonal halves. And we're going to have to wait two months to get the second half. Plus, uh, it's coming out weekly. I can handle the weekly thing. That's okay. I mean, I'm, I'm all for binge-watching. I have to be honest, I rarely get a chance to binge-watch. I, I don't have the time normally. God, I'm only three episodes into Defenders, for that matter. And I know a bunch of you are like, what are you talking about? I finished that the first day. But, uh, I'm, uh, you know, it depends. And um, some shows I am able to binge-watch. When Kimmy Schmidt comes out, I easily watch four or five. And maybe because they are shorter shows and stuff like that. But uh, I'm, uh, I'm psyched. I'm really psyched for the Orville coming up, the Fox parody that Seth MacFarlane and former Star Trek producer Brandon Braga are uh, doing. I think uh, that teaser looks amazing. I'm, I'm so bummed that I haven't had a chance to see a preview of the Orville yet, but uh, God, that's only you know a week or so away, 
And uh, it's going to be very interesting to see those two shows out there. But uh, this is a great love of Star Trek conversation. I got to tell you, as uh, we reach the end of August, I'm, I'm pretty happy with the month. There have been some great conversations that I've had here on Word Balloon. Um, through Dark Horse, a project that I got to do finally got published, and uh, I had a comic book signing, my first comic book signing. Uh, no Plan B, The Art of Mike Oming, is out, and it's a, it's a great art book. It would have been a great art book without my contribution, but uh, the guys at Dark Horse uh, asked if I would, and women, I asked if I would uh, do the interview with Mike for the book. And that was really an interesting challenge because it was an interview that I conducted, but I really let Mike speak extemporaneously, and I decided to really take myself out of the interview and just present Mike's words and do it in that way. And uh, it was kind of an interesting writing challenge, and uh, I'm glad with the way that it turned out. Uh, The signing went great. I was so pleased that people showed up and we actually sold books. Because I'm, I'm not the artist, you know. But it's also fun because it has a forward by Brian Bendis. It has an afterward by David Mack. And, of course, all of Mike's art and Mike's thoughts on his projects. So uh, those three guys, man, since the first year of Word Balloon, have always been such great supporters. You know. The Bendis tapes and the many times that Mike has been on, I'm embarrassed by the fact that David and I have not done a, an official Word Balloon yet. But we've had some lovely talks, and he popped up on a Bendis uh, tapes when he was staying with Brian one time. And their their generosity and support of my stuff has always been greatly appreciated. So the opportunity to do a project with them was really exciting. And, I, and again, I can't tell you how happy I am with the way it turned out. I will have copies of No Plan B at Salt Lake City Comic Con coming up uh, in a couple weeks, starting on the 21st, that weekend, that Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And I'll have a table. So uh, if if you're interested and you're going to the con, please come by. It's it's a wonderful book, and uh, I'm just very excited about it. But uh, yeah, I got to tell you, man, it was a it was a good August, and uh, things are going great at the part time job. Um, and you know, I puffed up my uh, my LinkedIn and my my Facebook, and I've got on there news reporter, CBS News in Chicago. And you know, between you and me, it's it's my traffic reporting, but I am reporting live news. So I do feel that I'm justified by calling myself a news reporter at, uh, at this station. But I, I'm getting uh, two to three shifts a week. It's probably not going to end up being a, a full-time job, but that's okay. It's nice being back on the air. Hopefully it will lead to other things. And uh, it's fun because podcast listeners are like, hey, I hear you. And some of the old uh, radio people that used to listen to me on uh, the sports radio stations I've worked at are saying, hey, I hear you, man. You sound good. So it's it's really been great, and I'm uh, very very excited about uh, having that uh, cushion and uh, helping pay the bills. As do the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you for your support. But uh, it's uh, it's been a, it's it's been okay. And you know, uh, as we uh, head into uh, the last uh, the last quarter of uh, well, I guess right now we're in the last third because it's September, October, November, December. So that's four months. I got to do quick math. I'm kind of slow on math sometimes. But uh, I'm uh, no, I'm 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 you know with the way that uh, things kind of ended unceremoniously in 2016, uh, 2017, a lot of promise, and uh, I mean it requires work to make that promise follow through, but that's okay. You know I'm I'm cool with doing the work, and uh, part of that ends up becoming things that I hope you'll find interesting, and that includes the book, uh, the art, you know, No Plan B, the art of Mike Oming from Dark Horse. 
and also uh, conversations like this one we're about to have with Jason Inman on Word Balloon. Word Balloon is brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you, League, for your support. Uh, you're helping me out in, at a time when I really do need it, and I thank you. Uh, if you like Word Balloon, Word Balloon's free. It'll always be free. But if you can uh, spare the support and uh, are interested in subscribing to Word Balloon, uh, is it worth the price of a comic book? If it is, go to wordballoon.com, and you can click on the Patreon ad there, or go to patreon.com slash wordballoon, and uh, you can uh, sign up to subscribe. I thank you very much for your support, and uh, it means a lot, and also it helps a lot keeping uh, things going here. So thank you very much, League of Word Balloon listeners. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com, and there's some great books out from InStock Trades right now. Man, I'll tell you, uh, things like, I want to talk about some some uh, old uh, collections that are back, like Dead Man by Kelly Jones, the complete collection. Uh, I had the pleasure of meeting Kelly at one of Tony Moore's uh, Cincinnati Comms, and uh, Cincy Comic Con, and it was amazing, and of course, a thrill for me, because I'm such a fan of Kelly's work, not only Batman, but man, his Dead Man stuff, such good work. Uh, Mike Barron writing, uh, Kelly uh, doing the art, and this collects Dead Man Love After Death 1 and 2, and Dead Man Exorcism 1 or 2, also stories from Action Comics Weekly, uh, really cool stuff, and it just got a little creepier with Dead Man. I love Neil Adams' take on Dead Man. It has that great kind of classic superhero look, and he looked weird enough. But uh, Kelly just kind of pushed it a little bit f- further as far as the horror goes, and this is a great collection. 42% off, $14.49. You can get Jupiter's Legacy, Volume 2, from Mark Miller and Frank Quitely. And, uh, man, this has been a great run. It's such a great series, and I'm enjoying it. I'm sorry that it's going to probably take a break for a while as Mark focuses on his Netflix work. I've reached out to Mark about coming back on Word Balloon, and he was sweet to write back. And he's like, a little busy now. As soon as we announce our first project, let's let's stay in touch and you know, try to make something happen, which is great because uh, I'm really excited for Mark. And I don't you know that Jupiter's uh, Legacy and Jupiter's Circle are likely going to be part of the mix as they move forward on this stuff? I certainly hope so. But uh, this is book two, and it's uh, him and Frank Quietly at their best, 136 pages. It's 42% off. It's just $9.85. Are you kidding me? That's fantastic. What else have we got this week? There's the Defenders Epic Collection. J.M. DeMatties and other great writers. Uh, Don Perlin and other great artists. But this is some uh, classic Defender stuff, uh, including uh, issues 110 to 125 and the Avengers Annual 11. But uh, wow. This is uh, really cool stuff from some two great creators. 50% off. It's just $19.99. And then there's The Old Guard, book one. Greg Rucka, a new project with Leandro Fernandez. I loved when they were doing Queen and Country. And now they're back with uh, a very cool trade that uh, is uh, an interesting uh, little uh, war book here with a touch of, uh, you know, fantasy. Uh, Immortality and uh, some of the other interesting little things that they put in the Old Guard. Great uh, series from Image. This is the first volume. It's 50% off. $8.49 for uh, the soft cover. Are there is there a difference here? Well, I guess there's two different covers. And both are available at InStockTrades.com. Just a few of the great books that are available now. Don't take my word for it. Get, check out the website. You'll find great books at great prices. If your orders are $50 or more, you know the drill. You'll get free shipping. 
And uh, it's a great company that has supported me through the years, and I thank them for their sponsorship. But uh, take advantage of the great deals you will find at InStockTrades.com. We'll talk about more books on the back end of the show. But for now, let's uh, talk to Jason Inman and have a great conversation about Star Trek past, present, and future. Why aren't they doing certain things? Why are they doing certain things? There's a whole rights confusion that I don't understand still between CBS and Paramount, and it may explain why we keep getting um, prequels as opposed to moving forward. Don't you want to know what happens after Star Trek Nemesis and even the taste of what we got in uh, the first J.J. Abrams Star Trek uh, movie? Think about it. Um, first of all, you got Shinzon taking over the Romulan Empire and, and wiping out most of their governing body. All right, and then Picard, uh, you know, takes care of them in Star Trek Nemesis. But then you get the J.J. movie, and right at the beginning of the movie, Romulus is destroyed. Gone. And so who survives? And how does that upset the political balance of the Star Trek universe? That's a really interesting question. I mean, you know, the Romulans have always been kind of that, you know, today you're my enemy, tomorrow you're my ally. We we had the alliance between uh, the Klingons, the Romulans, and the Federation, uh, against the Dominion in Deep Space Nine. But uh, this is an interesting kind of political vacuum, much as in the J.J. verse, the destruction of Vulcan. What does that mean? Um, we've opened up the Gamma and Delta quadrants because of the explorations of the Deep Space Nine cast and the Voyager cast. What does that mean? And uh, so there's a lot of, I think, fertile ground, in addition to the fact that when did, you know, when did Voyager end? Late 90s? I mean, we're at least 20 years since Voyager. And, uh, you know, 25 years or so since DS9, or at least 20 years. And and, uh, and certainly 30 years now for the next generation. It wouldn't be great to see what Admiral Riker is doing, or, you know, Ambassador Worf, or uh, Colonel Kira. Is Colonel Kira now General Kira? I mean, you know, all these different things. What's happened to Bajor in the years since Deep Space Nine? I know that they're explored in the books, but I'd like to see some canon stories about all that stuff. Again, not taking nothing away from the great comic books and novels and everything that's been coming out, but I'm sure a lot of Star Trek fans, we want to see the future. I mean, these these little you know nods to the past are, are nice and they're fun, and any kind of Star Trek is more than welcome. But uh, let's move the story forward, because that was the whole plan with Next Generation when they came back 20 years later. So I, I'd like to see more of that, and I'm sure a lot of Star Trek fans would as well. And, uh, you know, hey, uh, this is, this is uh, angry. I, I rarely get, get into angry fan mode, and very little offends me as far as some of the choices in uh, geek culture, as far as storylines go. But, uh, you know, hey, even Star Wars is moving the story, f- f- you know, forward. Well, all right, Star Trek, you, you recognize what you have. Let's move it forward. And, and I don't understand if there are political policies that are keeping that from happening or not. But uh, I'd like to see it move forward. And and I know Jason feels the same way. All right, enough of me talking. Let's get to our conversation with Jason Inman talking about Star Trek now on Word Balloon. This is uh, this is quite an honor. Oh, dude. That's... I've, I've listened, I listened to your podcast for quite a long time, so this is pretty cool to be on the podcast finally. It's, it's, it's my pleasure, man, honestly. It, uh, you know, we, as, I, as I was about to say, we had, we had fun uh, in, in San Diego, and it's, uh, it's great meeting you, and uh, happy to have you on, man. 
So no, you were you were one of my pleasant surprises of San Diego. <laughs> I could not agree more. And and I, and I will include all this now because we are rolling. And welcome sure. Jason Inman to Word Balloon. It's a pleasure wow. to have you on, man. Dude, it is such an honor to be on here. Seriously, I have listened to Word Balloon for about four to five years now. It's been a long time. So cool. to actually be on this side of the speaker, as one would say, it's a, a huge pleasure. <laughs> I've enjoyed your videos and your podcasts as well. Thank and, you. Uh, and forgive me because now I'm blank. It's it's. I know history is in the uh, title, right? Uh, Geek history lesson. Geek history yes, lesson. Is the, is the podcast that I do with Ashley Victoria Robinson? Yes. Yes, and and you, as we just said, truly meeting uh, you and Ashley was uh, was a wonderful, uh, pleasant surprise, and uh, we're all waiting for Tom King Saturday night at uh, San Diego, <laughs> and ended up having a lovely conversation, and I and I am thrilled. And also, you're coming back to talk about uh, is now. I hope I get it right. Jupiter Jet. That is correct. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. We we'll have our own comic book coming out through Action Lab in December. Uh, Jupiter Jet. It's an all-ages comic book about a, a 16-year-old girl with a jetpack. I got to tell you, man, as uh, as the millennium was closing in in the 90s, seriously, I said this a million times, I'm like, I'm really excited that we have the internet and supercomputers. But honestly, as a little kid, I figured by this age, we'd all have jetpacks. Really? Oh, yeah, because, you know, uh, Jesus, they would be at, like, football games at halftime. They would have demonstrations of jetpacks and... The Bond movies, Thunderball had the jetpack in it mm-hmm, and everything, mm-hmm. and countless television shows. So I'm like, oh yeah, I bet by the time I'm in my 40s or 50s, we'll have jetpacks and we'll all be we'll all be cruising around. I mean, again, this was you know me at like eight or nine or ten. I honestly I, think they've never come across with the idea of how do you not burn the people's legs off <laughs> yet. <laughs> well, you see, you obviously are much more observant than I was, and I, I wasn't even <laughs> thinking about burning your ass as you're flying around and stuff. But yeah, I you know, and it's fun now. You know, they got the water jetpacks, which is, you know, a little bit better, a little cooler. Yeah, but isn't it kind of a cheat? It's kind of a cheat, <laughs> though, right? Anything that gets you in the air, man, I'm for it. Hang <laughs> gliding, okay. anything like that, I, I am completely. Hot air balloons, all good. It's true. Which dovetails into what I wanted to talk about today, which is our our mutual love of Star Trek. Yes, and you went to the convention. I did. I did go to uh, Star Trek Las Vegas this year, and uh, I've been to Star Trek Las Vegas. One other time, okay, uh, a couple years ago, right before they released Beyond, and I will tell you that Star Trek Las Vegas is definitely a convention that changes if there's a series on the year. So this year, I thought it was an amazing convention. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of anticipation, and you could just tell the energy of that there was a new TV show coming up really made a difference. A couple years ago, it was kind of like, I want to describe it a quiet very kind of sad convention. I hate to say that, but I, I went because I'm a huge Star Trek fan, and I, I kind of loved Star Trek before I loved comic books. I respect that. I mean, I you know that's a fair question. I'm gonna. I think that was for me. It was kind of the same time because I think my first comic books were when I was getting my my first haircuts at probably like four years old, and they had. Mm-hmm. I remember uh, seeing like uh, old Carmine Infantino flashes at my barber shop, and mm-hmm. I have very quiet uh, memories. I think my parents were Star Trek fans because as a four-year-old kid, and I guess this was 69 or something like that, I do vaguely remember seeing uh, Star Trek on TV. And then certainly I'm part of that first generation of uh, rerun kids of the original series Mm -hmm. and stuff in the 70s. So I think hand-in-hand for me. Yeah, it's something that I didn't realize until couple years ago when I actually put the dates because Next Generation is was my gateway into sure. Star Trek and that was in 87 
And I didn't start buying comic books until after the Michael Keaton Batman movie in 89. So, um, but I remember that I got into Star Trek because when the next generation premiered with Encounter at Farpoint, it was such a media blitz. At least this is from my childhood memories, of course, looking at it. I remember them reporting about it on the news. And my parents, who aren't science fiction people, were like, we need to watch it. (laughs) And so from Encounter at Farpoint, the pilot of Next Generation, all the way to the end of Enterprise, I basically watched every episode of that Star Trek series like week to week. Attaboy. Or that universe. Yeah. You know, me too, and I missed great shows like uh, West Wing in its first run because it was, I want to say, up against Voyager or Enterprise, one of the two, if not both. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Like at what time they aired at UPN? Because that's when they were the weird UPN years. Yes, yes. I. Yeah. Uh, but no, I, I agree with you, and I, and I was the same way. I have to admit, uh, that first season for me of Next Generation, especially growing up with the original series, Got you know it was a little wonky, and as soon as Riker, as everyone knows, as soon as Riker gets the beard, things start getting better. Well, now since you were a guy, because uh, I don't have that perspective, right? So, as you were a guy who saw the original series, when you saw season one of TNG, which is by all accounts not great, was there ever a time period where you were like, I should probably stop watching Star Trek? No, but I would like watch, and if I wasn't crazy about the episode, I might bail. I might okay. bail. So, I have since. You know, I think I've seen every every episode, but yeah, and I now certainly there's just tons of first season episodes that I have no interest in watching again. When mm-hmm. BBC America runs them, it's yeah, like, yeah, that's okay. <laughs> Man, every every you know, it's interesting. Every Star Trek series, every single one, and, and it's my one worry of Discovery as well, um, has kind of a a learning curve in their first season. They absolutely. all do, absolutely, I completely yeah. agree, and and frankly. Really, television in general, I think, you know, faces that, sure. those growing pains. And I'm glad you said that because I'm a little, you know, you hate to be that fan that goes into, you know, we should we should all be excited. There's a new Star Trek out, and uh, I got to go to the press conference uh, in 2016's uh, San Diego Comic Con and mm-hmm. heard the enthusiasm of Brian Fuller and. Uh, and I'm I'm blanking right now on on the woman's uh, name, one of the co-producers of. Uh, Oh, one. I don't. I don't know if I could tell you either. I'm, I'm that bad. Well, that's okay. But I'll. But I'll tell you, man. Uh, I'm. I am kind of nervous because all the uh, production stops and starts, and, and also that uh, Fuller apparently only wanted a ten episode season, and they kind of pushed him in. Well, they they pushed the production into fifteen episodes. Um, you know, uh, the advantage of uh, sorry to interrupt you. The advantage. I had of going to Star Trek Las Vegas this year is that they had they had a little display up at San Diego Comic Con this year. They also had that same display up at Star Trek Las Vegas, but right. it, of course had a hey lot smaller line, so I was able to see it. All the uniforms are up, all the Klingon props were up. Uh, they had the chair there. Seeing it up close actually kind of made me a lot more excited for the show. I came away from Star Trek Las Vegas uh, from the panels they did there and stuff like that more positive on the show than everything they've released into the wild, which I thought was very interesting because some of those costumes, man, up front look fantastic with the detail. And I think it might be a thing of maybe I just don't agree with how they're lit in the trailer, but up close, they look amazing. Well, I'm cool with the clothes and I'm cool with the effects that we've seen so far. And I I mean, that's the thing I think from a technical standpoint, an art direction standpoint and a costuming standpoint, I'm okay with all of it, even the different look for the Klingons, because I think that's fairly explained as well. It's the Klingon Empire, so there might be 
Klingons that are from a different planet and look slightly different. So I'm I'm yeah. cool I'm cool with all that. I I have to and you know something because and I'm sure I've warned people at the beginning of this uh you, you know you're you're aware of the Sarek connection obviously. Yes, yes. I I don't think they've I don't know if I would really call those spoilers anymore because yeah. they've done so many entertainment weekly articles where they basically <laughs> give it away. <laughs> exactly. And and I got to tell you man, I, I again, I don't want to be that kind of fan. It does kind of bug me. I mean, Riker and Picard didn't have to be Kirk's great grandson to be interesting, and, they, and it really kind of pisses me off that they're just not letting uh, this this character, the lead character and stuff, be her own person without uh, any court, any sort of wink, wink. Oh, look, hey, she grew up on Vulcan, and it's like, yeah, we we didn't need that. And again, I, I guess said, we're gonna have to wait yeah. and see the story, obviously, but you know. I have said this statement a couple of times, and that is, we should all remember the last time they introduced a secret sibling of Spock and how well that went. <laughs> Cybok. Yeah. Poor Lawrence no, The I think the one thing that all Star Trek fans agree on, the worst Star Trek movie, is Star Trek Pilot. <laughs> well, or is Insurrection the worst Star Trek movie? Because I gotta I don't, tell you... I, I don't know, man. At least in Insurrection, you still have Patrick Stewart there to like sort of lift the movie up a bit. Cybok in The Search for God, for me, has always been, <laughs> oh, man, it's rough. I agree, but I do think there are funny scenes in Five. Uh, sure. And, and, I mean, that's sure. the only thing. Like when Scotty breaks through uh, their cell. And, you yeah. Know, do you not yeah, go yeah. on jailbreak when you see one? You know, I mean, you know, stuff like that was really funny. And even the weird kind of Uhura-Scotty relationship was kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, Fun fact, I think that movie is the first appearance of a toilet in Star Trek when they're in the jail cell. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. That's very funny. Nice going. <laughs> I believe it is. because I think that movie came out in 89 or 88. 89. Yeah. And uh, by at, at that time, TNG has never shown a toilet before. And, and they're in the cell. And I think Kirk's leaning on it or something like that. Like he has his <laughs> leg on it. Or, of course, like Kirk, he would have his leg on top of the toilet. Hilarious. The rocket boots were funny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But I agree. I mean, a goofy movie, and yeah. I, well, you know, and also, unfortunately, I guess it happened during, I want to say the writer's strike or something like that, and they initially wanted, you know, I'm sure you already know this, Sean Connery to be Cybok instead of yes. Lawrence Luckabill. Mm -hmm. By the way, Lawrence Luckabill, it's a shame, because he's probably best known for that as far as mainstream audience goes, and certainly nerd audiences. But the guy I, is a, a pretty good actor. He's married to Lucy Arnaz, Lucille Ball's daughter, and mm -hmm. uh, my buddy Franco, Tiny Titans, uh much more aware of his uh, stage work because he's a big uh, he's a big Broadway actor. Oh, I did not know that. But yeah, that's a good thing that Star Trek tends to, you know, hire theater actors. But I know Sean Connery skipped out of that film because he went to go do Last Crusade. Better and choice, uh, yeah, oh, he made <laughs> he made the much better choice. But that movie would have been. But I mean, do we again? Even with Sean Connery, think about it because you know Sean Connery would have just talked like Sean Connery. So he so he'd be just like live long and prosper, Spock. You know, he'd be like, I, I don't know, man. I don't know if that helps make the movie worse or better. I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, and again, they had fun with the whole. You're, you know, you're, you're, you don't have a brother. I've known you forever, and you, you never said mm -hmm. you had a brother. Technically, you're right. I don't have a brother. I have a yeah, a stepbrother or something. Yeah, like, uh, <laughs> he's like, uh, I gotta sit down. <laughs> so at least Shatner kind of took the audience's perspective of, all right, this is bullshit, but let's let's just roll with it. Fine. Uh, there is a very awkward – It's if anybody out there that wants to have uh, uh, an awkward 20 minutes of Star Trek, there is a press conference they did for Star Trek V 
and it's the entire crew in their uniforms holding champagne, standing on the bridge of the Enterprise, and then the camera pulls back. The All the crew leaves except for Shatner, and the press ask him questions. And he's just standing there in his Admiral's uniform holding a glass of champagne. It is such a painfully awkward press conference idea, especially when you can tell that, like, James Doohan and Leonard Nimoy and all of them don't want to be there. Hilarious. That's fantastic. <laughs> Go check Go check it out. I think if you just search Star Trek Five press conference, you will find this terribly, terribly awkward video. Oh, I'd love to see that. Have you? And I, I don't remember if we talked about this in San Diego. I, I've mentioned it a million times on Word Balloon. Have you? Have you read the Fifty Year Mission books? Yes, I love them. Aren't they amazing? I, I love them. Um, uh, yeah, I think they're really good. And and um, there's another series of books, especially if you're TOS fans. Uh, it's called These Are the Voyages. And it's there. There's these are the voyages, volume one, volume two, and volume three, and it goes into the making of every single episode of TOS. So it goes on even a deeper dive than that. But Fifty Year Mission by Mark Altman is amazing. Yeah, it was really some of the stories in that from that show. You're just like, oh my god, how did this ever get made? Exactly, and also the handcuffs they put on themselves. Rick Berman kind of. You know, really dictating. We're not even going to talk about the original series during Next Gen until, mm-hmm. you know, Sarek, obviously, the Sarek episode. And uh, it's like, you know, and and also the, the writers that were Star Trek fans that came to the show, they were like the nerds. Uh, the other writers would be like, you know, God, do you actually like this shit? All right. Yeah. You know, it's so funny you just you brought up Sarek because um, right before I hopped on the uh, the this phone with you. We were literally watching the episode "The Most Toys" from TNG. Great episode, yes. Yeah, good episode. And and I saw that the next one up is Sarek, and Sarek is like one of my favorite episodes in the Next Generation ever. Oh, absolutely, my God, Mark Leonard. I mean, really, Aroy Leonard. I'm not sure how you say it, but uh, I think it's Leonard. Okay, probably. And you know, always a great actor. Of course, even in the Planet of the Apes television series, uh, I remember his uh, pre Star Trek uh, appearances, or actually, I guess it was concurrent. A show called Here Come the Brides, this weird oh, kind of show about. Never heard of that show? Crazy. Yeah, it's yeah, it's about it's about uh, Seattle in like the late nineteenth century, and and uh, it's it's interesting. And I think even a book, one of the Star Trek novels, where Spock went home and visited Amanda's family and stuff, kind of in a cute way tied that family to Amanda Grayson's family and everything. Spock's mother. Oh, so that's crazy. Yeah, but no, you know, I mean, the the guy just had such gravitas, and and every every film that he would show up in Star Trek and stuff, and just that you know that great dynamic between him him and Nimoy, and then again between him and Picard. I mean, my God, those two episodes, uh, Sarek, and also the first episode of Unification. No man, I mean, that's the thing. These guys, they they knew what they were doing, man. And then again, that's uh, I I actually liked um, and now I'm blanking uh, who played him in uh, the Kelvin movies. Oh um, yeah, I I, I know he, he's a very nice British actor, but he's he's good as well. Chariots of Fire, Ben uh, mm-hmm. Ben Cross. Yes, there we go, there we go. So uh, the interesting thing about it is that um, I believe that Leonard Nimoy and Mark Leonard don't really have that much of a age difference. Yeah, so they... it was very it's very interesting <laughs> that he's playing Sarek. But I agree with you that because he also a lot of people forget is that he's the Romulan commander in Balance of Terror. Oh boy, yes indeed. Um and then he's also <laughs> the Klingon in Star Trek the Motion Picture. That's right in the first in the, in yeah. the 79 movie. That's hilarious here exactly. Yeah. Right. yeah, so he's played a Romulan, a Vulcan and a Klingon. 
Yeah, he's uh, played them all. Yeah, pretty no, pretty cool idea. God, Balance of Terror, such a great thing. Did you ever have the PC game Starfleet Academy? Uh, no, I had the uh, Super Nintendo game Starfleet Academy. <laughs> nice. I don't know if that. I don't know if it was the same game or not. I don't know either. <laughs> they had a, they had a simulation of Balance of Terror. Wow, and it was fantastic. You didn't. You never saw the Romulans, but uh, yeah, the whole the whole thing is you do a bunch of uh, mission scenarios. Of course, the Kobayashi Maru is in there as well, so you get to actually do the, the Kobayashi Maru. Yeah, that was a fun PC game. I can't remember who I've, made it, but uh, Chekhov, Sulu, and Shatner were all in it. That's the one series that I've always thought because um, a lot of people have always asked me, and it's so I, I find it crazy that they haven't made it yet. Because especially when we've been in this weird period where they've been trying to bring Star Trek back to TV now for like, you know, 15 years almost. And I'm really surprised they haven't done Starfleet Academy. Because to me, I think that would be just the easiest streaming show to do, right? Because you could just, you know, build a couple futuristic hallways, build a futuristic, like, classroom, and then just cast four kids and we're in Starfleet Academy. Right, and also a great opportunity to mine the former cast members to come back and, oh, okay, here's Colonel Kira, and she's going to lead us in a mission, and here's, you know... Chief O'Brien. Exactly, yeah. Chief O'Brien. I mean, uh, hell, at the end of Deep Space Nine, he's going back to the Academy. To yeah, teach. that's a good call. Like, they could be all the teachers and stuff like that, but I, because, yeah, I've always thought that, like, you know, when you see the captains in Starfleet, when you see, like, the autonomy that they have separate from Starfleet Command, they kind of got to know everything right they, they they have to have a huge knowledge base and in my head we've never seen it on screen but in my head i've always just kind of seen starfleet academy as like the most difficult vocational college you could ever go through sure Beca- because they throw you on a planet and they'd be like okay sniff the air where are the chemicals in it <laughs> you know <laughs> Well, you're a you know. you're a former military man, so yeah, I, I am indeed. And and so you know, yeah. Do you the the basic training that you did and stuff like that? Did you envision kind of similar things with with Starfleet or? Uh, sort of, yeah. I because um, yeah. In in the army, they really um, this is a thing that you don't really understand about basic training until you go through it. Is when you're going through basic training, like a lot of people, their concept of basic training, of course, is Full Metal Jacket, which is completely inaccurate. Right, breaking now. you down and intimidation. And, yeah, know. yeah, it's it's not that crazy, but the idea of it is is to create a atmosphere that is the most stressful atmosphere you would ever have in your life. So that way, when you get to combat, you're calm, or that you go into autopilot because you're like, oh, I've been in a situation just like this. If I just do this, it'll be fine. Um, and it, it actually works. It really does. It conditions you to like get through combat because you're like, oh, I've been in something just as stressful as this. And I guess in my head, since Starfleet is sort of a peacekeeping armada, I have that one line always throws me, but I like it. Um, you know, it's sort of antithetical to each other, but in Starfleet, I really feel like they would have to do something to wash all the xenophobia out of you. Sure. You know, because uh, humans, right, we're very, like, we don't like things that are different. We're very xenophobic. And if if we didn't, if they didn't condition all that xenophobia out of you, wouldn't every Star Trek episode be, like, you turn on the view screen and the captain be like, yeah, you know? <laughs> <laughs> the hell are those antenna? Yeah. Oh, oh God. <laughs> You're so ugly. Like, you know, so, but we've never seen that, right? <laughs> God, you know. 
the Orville obviously is coming up in a couple of weeks, and uh, I'm very excited about that. And I almost I have kind the, of hope yeah. that there are kind of scenes like that. Oh, I bet there will. I I, I, I have a friend of mine who's got to see the pilot early, and uh, when I asked him his opinion of it, he said that it's like Star Trek The Next Generation. That's outstanding. Well, Brandon Braga is uh, the mm-hmm. co-executive producer, and we all know Seth MacFarlane's love of Star Trek. Is it an hour-long show or a half-hour show? I think it's an hour-long show. Oh, I hope so. Okay, good to know. Got it. How what a crazy upside down. We will okay, we I already believe that we live in the Bizarro universe because we have a Guardians of the Galaxy 2, um a Wonder Woman movie and next year we're getting Black Panther. So I I think we're already in the Bizarro universe uh, ignoring everything politically that's happening too. Yeah. But if we if a month from now we're in the universe where the Star Trek parody series is better than the Star Trek show, Oh, my God. Well, I got to tell you, man, (laughs) that's kind of what I'm wondering. And again, because, uh, you know, you go back to uh, The Dark Knight and uh, when the Joker says, why so serious? And that's the thing is it's uh, and certainly Warner Brothers is kind of following through with that with most of their movies. Thank God Wonder Mm -hmm. Woman was the exception and hopefully the uh, uh, path to the right direction moving forward and stuff. But, yeah, that's the thing, man. Everything seems so heavy. And I got to be honest, I don't hate the the uh, JJ movies but I don't I, either but I have to confess I am a little disappointed and I do find flaws and when they announced that Alex Kurtzman was part of Discovery I was disappointed and I, I kind of thought that Discovery was going to be okay JJ made his three movies that's great now CBS is going to have more control over this show and we're going to go into a different direction and despite their promises that this is in the prime universe I don't know, man. It sure doesn't look like it. And for, and again, I, I agree. You know, and and also again that Kurtzman's kind of one of the driving forces. That kind of I hate to say it worries me because I think I think uh, the first movie was great. I liked the third movie. The second movie had a lot of problems in it. It does. And also, you know, all right. And pr- people are probably sick of me saying this on War Balloon. I am not a Zachary Quinto Spock fan. Really? You know, with him having emotions on his sleeve as he does. Mm-hmm. It it hurts the character. It uh, McCoy wins now because Spock is very emotional and and shows it a lot. And I understand they put him in extreme circumstances. Mike Johnson at IDW and doing the comic books that he does handles. I love the those Kelvin, comic books, by the yeah, way. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I was going to say. Handles the Kelvin universe much better than they've been shown in the films. And he even said, and I think it's a fair explanation that the films are always dealing with very extreme circumstances and therefore that's why you see Spock kind of at wit's end. But again, Nimoy, Tim Russ, I I, I think it's not just Nimoy. I think there have been, and certainly uh, Mark Leonard, great uh, actors that have handled the poker face that you need to be a Vulcan without being douchey about it. And there's just this kind of douchiness that I always get from Quinto when he's being superior, that there were only a few flashes of that with Nimoy in, again, the first season. Certainly the uh, the the uh, second pilot, where no man goes, you know, gone, has gone mm-hmm. before, when he's, ah, irritation, one of your human emotions. Okay, that's all right, it's early. You know, he'll, he'll settle down, he'll, uh, he'll, he'll, he'll get comfortable and stuff. But yeah, I, I just think that, uh, I don't know, again, I, I feel like Quinto, Quinto is the one cast, cast member that I have problems with. I, I have a retcon theory that might settle that for you. 
All right. So here you go. All right. So 2009, J.J. Abrams' Star Trek. I actually really dig that movie a lot, and sure. I kind of think it's J.J. Abrams' best movie that he's ever made. Um, but beside the point, so if you look at the point that in that universe or that timeline where that takes place, Pike is in charge of the Enterprise, right? Yes. Uh, Spock, Spock is there. Kirk's in the Academy. Kirk's pretty young. So to me, I look at it as the, those characters are about the same ages as the characters were in the prime universe at the cage, you know, Spock's a little bit younger, Kirk's a little bit younger and Pike's around and stuff like that. So for me, Quinto can be a little bit crazier and more emotions on his sleeve because he's younger and we're seeing him a lot younger than we ever saw him in the prime timeline. Because if you look at Spock in the cage and yes, this is a stretch because (laughs) Leonard Nimoy didn't know how to play the character. But if you look at the cage, there's literally a scene where Leonard Nimoy pikes on the planet and Leonard Nimoy's up on the ship and he's like, we scanned the planet, Captain! We did! <laughs> and you're just like, good God, Spock, settle down. <laughs> or when they're or when they're beaming uh, they're beaming back up from the planet and they keep the women down there and he's like, the yep. women! You know, or, he, yeah. or even smiling at the uh, vibrating flower. Wasn't he smiling at the vibrating flower? He smiles, he yells, he gets mad, <laughs> you know. And, and I, so I realize that that theory is more that he didn't know how to play the character. But for me, I'm like, you know what? They're both Spocks that are a little bit younger than what we're used to seeing. I, you know, I, all right, not bad. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. It's, it's, that's fine. I, uh, but again, and also, I think they do explain... When, when uh, you know, Spock Prime tells, uh, you know, uh, Chris Pine's Kirk, Jim, I just lost my, my mother and my planet. Believe me, I'm emotionally compromised. So, I mean, that's the thing. I get it. I think he is more traumatized than uh, Nimoy Spock. Oh, yeah. So, so I, I, I mean, they've, they've, made a, they, they've made, you know, uh, explanations for it. But I do think that the character kind of disappears when he's that emotional. And I don't think it's a good... It was. A, I don't think it was a good choice. I really don't think it was a good choice. Sure. And, you know, it's, yeah. it, it is interesting to see, too, when you see other actors play Vulcans. It's, it's interesting to see which ones figure out how Leonard did it. Because I always felt that Leonard Nimoy, every line he said was sort of, not superior, but he had the subtext of a joke underneath it. Exactly. He was playing a game. I completely... Yeah, he was playing a game with you. Like So, like, if, you, if your actual statement, if his statement was just like... Uh, well, of course, that's the right answer. You know, his subtext is like, well, screw you, idiot. You know, <laughs> and, and, and that's kind of the way he said those lines. And some some actors get that. And some actors just play Vulcans like robots. Right. Agreed. Well, again, I think Tim Russ was very effective as Tuvok. I, I, I thought he was a tremendous uh, Vulcan. I thought he was great. I actually thought he was the best character on Voyager. I wouldn't disagree with you. I, I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm a huge fan, and I was always happy. My favorite my favorite goofy episode, of course, is Tuvix. Oh, that's such a weird episode. <laughs> it really is. It's kind of uncomfortable to watch. Be- it is because it's, you it's... feel you do kind of feel bad for him, but also he's so weirdly annoying too. And it's just yeah, like, yeah. Would you separate them already, please? <laughs> There's a lot. There is a lot of weird. You watch that episode. There's a lot of weird moral implications in that episode, simply because you can tell the crew gets really annoyed by Tuvix, so that's the reason they want to split him. But when you actually think about it from Tuvix's side, you're like, no, he actually has a valid point. He oh, should sure. exist. Absolutely. No, that, <laughs> but they're just like, get rid of this annoying guy. <laughs> that one, and I also loved when uh, in Enterprise when they grew the the trip clone. 
Oh, Similitude. That's that episode. Yes, yes. And by the way, all right, there's another what the fuck are you doing? That last episode and you kill off Trip, really? And I and uh, I'm so glad. I don't know. Do you read the novels at all? Uh I will I will tell you there was a time back in the day where I read every Star Trek novel. <laughs> um and then I stopped. I'm a uh, dude, I I'm a deep cut Star Trek nerd so through and through. Go on. Um but <laughs> I've read some of the Enterprise novels where they continue it on and Trip becomes a secret agent. He's actually somehow alive. They just went too stupid for me to keep reading. <laughs> yeah, he's. I think he's on that precursor to Section 31 or whatever it is. Yeah, you're just like, no. Yeah, no, I agree. The Deep Space Nine novels I still find interesting. Here and there, I think there's a good one. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm more, I'm more choosy as well. And I'm, and but every now and then, I, I, I will admit, every couple months, I'll scan what titles are coming out and see if I want to buy one or not. And uh, I've liked Bashir's Section 31 uh, post-series DS9 novels. I think that I have not read that one. That's interesting. There's a couple. And, uh, yeah, they're, they're pretty good. DS9 is my favorite of the uh, – Mine too. Awesome. Yep. See, I knew, I do I think... knew you were a good guy. Go on. Yeah, there we go. So that's <laughs> why we connected, man. The D- we, we knew we were Niners. That's why. <laughs> we are Niners. Absolutely. I um Yeah, D-Space 9, ah, oh, man, is – it's so hard to describe why it's the best series. And, I, and I've gotten in arguments with people over this because there are those TOS fans so through and through. But, like, I feel D Space Nine is the most real of the Star yes. Treks. Like, all the characters get these amazing arcs and they change. Like, the best one, in my opinion, is is there's a scene in the pilot between Dr. Bashir and Kira. And Kira's like, why did you choose this posting? And Bashir says, I wanted to study frontier medicine and she snaps at him and she's like this frontier's my home yep why are you making fun of it and to see in the first episode that she's basically a terrorist yes and by the end of the seventh season she is a fully acceptable compromising rational human being it's so amazing and then the relationship of course of captain cisco and his crew and I've said many times that if I had to pick my captain, it would always be Captain Cisco because I think he would be the best dude to serve under. I agree, and I uh, I got to meet Avery Brooks at a Wizard Chicago show years ago. What was he like? He he was Cisco because it was great. He <laughs> I, and I mean I, I I really loved the actor and everything he did. I was a huge Spencer for Hire fan. I read the novel, oh yeah, Spencer and a man novel. called Hawk. Yes, exactly. And I told him that. And I said, you know, and he was, oh, that's very kind. Thank you. And I said, hey, it'd be my pleasure to buy you a drink. He's like, oh, that's not necessary. And I said, oh, please, sir. It really would be a pleasure. He put his hand on my shoulder and he went, John, you don't have to buy me a drink. We're having a lovely conversation. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> Thank you. And I did. I felt like Jake. I felt like I was being, you know, don't worry, Jake. You don't have to buy me a drink. And it was just like, that's fantastic. So, yeah, I was like, all right, sir. I go, well, I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, bother you. Frakes was incredibly cool, too. Oh, yeah. I've never met him either, so that's great. <laughs> Those, uh, I met, all right, I met uh, Nimoy. I got to introduce Nimoy at a panel that he did in Orlando when uh, the first uh, J.J. movie came out, and he was doing, um, and now I'm blanking on the show. What was the TV show? J.J. show with... Uh, uh, Post- Fringe? Yes, Fringe. Thank you, man. Yeah. Yeah, and he was William Bell. And yeah, he talked to... Oh, some, yeah, that's a good show. So he talked about being William Bell, and he talked about, you know, obviously J.J. convincing him to do... Star Trek, and he was he was could not be more charming. And I just got to introduce him, and he shook my hand. He said, "Nicely done." And I said, "Oh, thank you, man." And because oh, I inc- I included his photography and his directing beyond his acting, so he was happy about that. I think. Uh, but uh, and Sulu, uh, we got to meet George Takei when Heroes, the first season of Heroes. When we also met Zachary Quinto and uh, Hayden Panettiere, or however you say her name. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, awesome. They were all the same same convention, and um, maybe a different year, but yeah, they could not have been nicer. And, I mean, that's the thing too. I, I don't I don't hate Kito on any personal level. I just don't like the way he plays Spock, and I think he's a fine actor. I think he's an excellent actor. Um, One of the only Star Trek actors that I've met is uh, Connor Trenier, who played Trip absolutely. on Enterprise. Awesome. And it was actually in my second week after I moved to L.A., I got a job as a PA on a commercial for some app that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> and I looked at the call sheet, didn't recognize a single name, and then, like, the fourth name down the call sheet was Connor Trenier. And I was like, oh, man, it's Trip! And... So I went there as the PA, just moved like green screens around and set up lights and stuff like that. And he was there the entire day. And I was just like, you know, it's my second week in L.A. I'm like, oh, my God, this is so cool. I'm working on a production with a Star Trek actor. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, and I was so nervous to talk to him. And then I saw that he got he finished and he got released and he was walking out the door. And I was like, oh, I got to go grab him. And I went over and grabbed him and got a picture with him. And, oh, and I was great. like, I'm sorry. I was like, I didn't want to bother you. And he was so cool. And then fun, uh, fun fact, um, I've actually run into him now three other times and every time we end up talking he'll sit there for a second and he'll be like i know you somehow and then all i have to be is like yeah you remember this terrible app blah 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 and he'll be like yes he'll be like jason oh that's really great that's <laughs> yeah, yeah, fantastic yeah. all right my yeah, thing yeah. like that was and he, he only made the one uh episode of enterprise but he is the klingon that they have to bring back to the klingon homeworld uh tiny oh. tiny lester and uh, they made an action figure of that character too. Oh, that's fantastic! And of course, the president <laughs> yeah. in uh, Fifth Element. Oh, that's cool. Great that's actor. cool. He uh, he was a huge boxing fan, and this is when I was covering boxing for what is now the or I don't even know if it's still the Yahoo Sports Network, but uh, Sporting News Radio back when I was there, and it was uh, an Oscar De La Hoya fight against Fernando Vargas, and uh, he was down there and he was there for the fight, and I got him into the press conference and stuff, and I and I had just seen the Enterprise premiere. And I was, mm-hmm. you know, it was just a few days later, and I said, hey, man, you were a fantastic Klingon. And he's laughing. And uh, the post-fight press conference, he was trying to get to it. I said, Tiny, come with me, man, because <laughs> I had my credentials. And I'm like, he's with me. <laughs> I got him. He's oh, like, hey, man, nice. thanks. And I said, oh, it's my pleasure, dude. Uh- <laughs> so uh, that was, yeah, that was really cool. Um, but, yeah, the uh, Frakes was great. And I think I, I might have told you uh, in, in San Diego, he was telling us when he played Captain America – for Marvel public appearances in New York. Oh, I think I've read that before. Yeah, yeah. And he was talking about being backstage at a Blood, Sweat, and Tears con- uh, concert in the 70s, and it was really, really hot. And uh, it was in their writer that in the green room they'd have a couple Marvel heroes. So he and the Spider-Man actor were back there. And it was really, really hot. And Frank's is just like, hey, do you guys mind if I take my mask off? And like, oh, of course, no problem. Spider-Man would not break character, though. Kept his mask on, drank his beers through his mask. <laughs> which I think is hilarious. So, but and yeah. where is that actor now? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who knows? Exactly. But no, he was really <laughs> casual and great, and just telling stories, and could not have been more friendly. So that that was a great moment. Did you ever get to go to the Star Trek uh, experience at the Vegas Hilton? No, it shut down um, a couple months after I moved to LA, and I didn't even realize. I didn't even realize it was still going on in Vegas. So I never got that. I've, I've heard it seems to be one of these nerd Mecca places where the people that actually got to go to it are just like, Oh man, it was like seeing Jesus alive. And it was, you know, it really was. I mean, cause I went, I didn't go to the, when they turned it into the Borg experience and a few mm-hmm. other things. I went to the original version of it a lot. Cause again, I was covering boxing, so I'd get to go to Vegas a lot. Oh and, man. And so yeah, I would always kind of plan 
after the fight, like Sunday afternoon, I would go to the Vegas Hilton and go through the experience, do the ride. And also they had uh, Quark's Bar set up at the at the place as well. And, and, and you could drink and eat at, at Quark's. Quark's. And, it, and you could walk through the promenade, right? It was kind of like the promenade. It, it kind of okay. was. It, it, again, it was kind of like it was the bar and they had a couple fake uh, replicators that would have holographic kind of representations of food or drinks and stuff like that that you could press a few buttons and they had Ferengi and Klingon uh, waiters and the Klingon waiter would yell at you and stuff which was hilarious if there was one set I could ever go to go see it would be the Deep Space Nine set like if I go back in time and see it because when they had the promenade the, that whole section I I remember reading once that it was supposedly the largest set in Hollywood at the time yeah because they had like half of it like just completely set up and you could literally walk from one end to the next and not see the soundstage wall. Pretty cool. And also they at yeah. the at oh, man. the the ride uh you walk through uh the Enterprise D bridge and it was life size mm-hmm. and that was insane and they hurry you through it. And I always would try my best to linger as much as I can to kind of really take it all in and not pay attention to whatever scenario they were playing out for the game and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, just like, oh, there's Data's chair. There's, there's, that's where Jordy would sit. That's fantastic. Oh, yeah. There's ops. Yeah. Exactly. You know? <laughs> exactly. No, it was really cool. And, and looking on all the various screens and see what the readouts were. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that was that was a lot of fun. All right. I want to swing it back to uh, Discovery because sure. another, another thing that kind of frustrates me is that, again, we're doing another prequel. And have you heard – you know, I thought the JFK conspiracies were detailed – and had their own little nooks and crannies. The the various theories as to why they keep making prequels as opposed to moving forward fascinate me. And I now I didn't I didn't know there were conspiracies tw- conspiracies towards this, but I want to hear them because yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm if you think about it with Enterprise, the JJ movies, and this one, this is now the third yeah. prequel Star Trek has been made. I've always kind of thought, why didn't they just do the same thing like TNG, like Go forward 100 years and have the characters in that series look at Picard and Janeway and Sisko as legends like they did to Kirk. Yep. Or even, God, set it in real time and make it, you know, God, because it has yeah. been 25 years. and 25 years, yeah. You know, since since Next Generation, or, well, God, 30 years now since Next Generation, but all these other shows. And, yeah, now we can see, you know, 50-year-old Bashir or whatever and, and see these characters as older characters now. And and have the opportunity to bring them back, uh, and and man, I, I did you hear about Michael Dorn being sort of offered a role uh, in Discovery? I did not hear that. But what are some of these conspiracy theories you were talking about? <laughs> why why is it always stuck as a prequel? Does Rick Berman have some sort of chain on it, or what's it's going on? It's not Rick Berman, but apparently, uh, you know, everything used to be under Viacom uh, as far as Paramount and CBS and stuff. And about five or ten years ago. They restructured Viacom, CBS, and Paramount. And CBS owns the intellectual property of Star Trek now. Paramount has the rights to make movies, but there's some sort of weird thing. And and again, I would uh, point to some of these uh, videos online that that explain that supposedly uh, they can only... uh, Well, certainly J.J.'s version could only do... um, prequels and also specifically had to be different and almost had to be an alternate timeline uh specifically to to do their movies and then um 
for whatever reasons, yeah, it just I I, I don't get it. But but you know, I'm I'm not even going to be able to explain it properly. But that there is some sort of contractual thing that is Weird. keeping them. And it makes me wonder, given that Kurtzman is involved, and it sounds like Bad Robot is an active producer on mm-hmm. Discovery, that maybe this is part of the deal. Or, or even further, that maybe instead of a fourth Star Trek movie, this is what we're getting from, from J.J. Because I don't know if Beyond did well enough to merit a fourth yeah. movie. I thought it was much better, but I don't know how it did box office-wise. The conspiracy theorists say that Paramount lost like 50 mil on Beyond. Well, yeah, especially since we don't know how much they spent on, you know, marketing and stuff yeah. like that. I'm looking at right now a box office mojo. The domestic total gross was 158 million. Total worldwide, 343 million. Supposedly the production budget was 185, but I think you could probably add another 100 million to that sure. for marketing. Sure. So it barely made its money. Yeah. So I don't know. You know, uh, I, I would love to hear your opinion on this. Do you think we get Star Trek four? I, I actually worry that we're not going to get it, but I really want it because I, I, I would love, I would love to see another movie with this crew. I agree. No, I thought I did like beyond enough to want to see them one more time. Um, again, though, I, I gotta say that I think that something is missing when these guys try to do Star Trek and I'm not sure exactly what it is. Beyond was better but uh, and and funny and and, and uh, good in a lot of ways and certainly better than Star Trek Into Darkness. Um, I don't know. There's there's just there is something missing. And again, I worry about this show because uh, I I you know I hope I hope it's good. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I hope it's fantastic. Oh, the other theory is too. You know, they initially mentioned that Nicholas Meyer was going to be part of Discovery. Yes. Well, now he's supposedly working on a, a different story. A con storyline. Yep. And again, we're still we're still stuck in the past. Yeah. Uh, I you know that's one thing I don't need is I don't I really don't need a con prequel. I I actually don't need any more stories with con ever again. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, you're you're never you're never going to beat Wrath of Khan, and you're just not going to do it. So just stay away. The books were actually pretty good, I thought. The uh, the the Khan books because they also involved Gary Seven from uh, Assignment. Earth, oh yeah, the original mm-hmm. series uh, backdoor pilot they were trying to do with uh, I forget him and his magic cat. Yep, and Terry Gar, yeah. a very young, a very, like mm-hmm. almost teenage Ter- Terry Gar. She's so young in that thing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I did appreciate that, and also other nods of. Characters that they've mentioned, you know, as far as uh, original series and stuff and, and characters from the, the 20th and 21st century. So they did kind of put that stuff in there. Uh, and there were three books. There were three con books. But I agree with you. Yeah, I, I don't want to see that either. I want I want them to move forward. And I think, you know, why not? Um, you know, so I, I don't know. It's it's really, really weird. And I guess we'll we'll see. But like you said well, too, I'm kind of I'm more excited about the Orville than I kind of am about Discovery. Yeah, you know, uh, like I'm I'm really excited to see. Like I'm going to watch Star Discovery no matter what. Sure. It could be oh, yeah. I'm so into Star Trek that <laughs> it could be the worst series of all time, and I would still finish. I'm it with you because I just want to see Star Trek. But I'm a little bit hopeful. I'm I'm excited to see a new TV show. I'm 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 really hopeful. STLV really made me positive. Uh, I hope our or I hope they're both great. Because yeah. how awesome would it be to sort of have two great Star Trek shows on? Because 
for all of us that lived through the golden age of the Star Trek 90s, um, how awesome was it to have two Star Trek shows on every week plus movies? Oh, absolutely. 100%, man. And, and, yeah, and many people forget that Star Trek was actually the first shared universe. Good point. Because they, yeah. they Voyager crossed over to D Space Nine, D Space Nine crossed over to Voyager, and TNG had movies on that Worf hopped back and forth from. Sure, and even Janeway pops up in uh, you know, yep. First Contact and stuff. And uh, Yeah. Yeah. No, like I, long before that Marvel Cinematic Universe, Star Trek beat it. Hilarious. That's a very, that's yeah. a very valid point. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, again, I really hope that, uh, you know, it's, it's better than, you know, uh, my fears and, uh, you know, I, and again, I don't want to sound like I, I certainly don't want to be associated with the jerks out there that are, you know, mad that it's uh, female centric. That's fine. That's totally fine. Oh, I don't mind. Yeah. You know, but again, I just sometimes I think they try they try fan service in places that it's not necessary. And I again, like even make this first officer, uh, Michael, uh, put her put her on Vulcan. Fine. Does she have to, you know, be Sarah with Sarah and Amanda? I mean, couldn't she have been raised by a different Vulcan family? I, you know, it's like I said, it's just sometimes too cute for it. And if anything, Mm -hmm. it contracts the universe rather than expands the universe. And that's I agree. You know. I agree. Yeah, and that's something that Star Wars, I think, is is starting to run into, where you know, one family in the entire universe controls all the Metaclorians. <laughs> you know, if everybody's a Skywalker, then talk about the one percent of the Force, right? Yeah. So Star Trek doesn't need to be that too, because like it is about again the Armada. So there could be plenty of characters out there. I don't know. I'm kind of hoping. That there's something we don't know, some little twist about Sarek that we don't know that's going to matter to the plot. Sure. Somehow. Well, they, now, they, me... they say, trust yeah. us. I heard Kurtzman say in the, in the press conferences, the great thing is those panels at Vegas, uh, they're all online. Mm. Some, a couple yeah. people shot them. And so, yeah, I was very happy to watch all of them and stuff that have been online. And they're, they're unbelievably cool. They're really good. Yeah. And, and um, th- yeah, like I said, that's part of the stuff where I was very – I was more – uh, convinced to actually be really excited for this show because, yeah, I don't know, uh, man, their whole production process coming up to the show is is pretty craziness when you read like some of the behind the scenes. And there was an article in Variety today, tell me, and all that stuff. But um, yeah, they kind of talked about a little bit the Brian Fuller stuff and why he left and some of the rumors and what they're going for. And they they have a really amazing picture of the bridge and it looks huge. It looks massive. Well, again, I, I, from the technical standpoints, I mean, the trailers have been very impressive, and and I am excited. I'm excited about the scope. I'm glad that they got the money and spent it and made it look as, as lush as they have, but it's really more about the story and characters, and it's like, all right, what are you doing? I'm even cool with, because again, they're, I've read some uh, old uh, fans are kind of mad that the Klingons, who always represented you know the Soviets back in the 60s, uh, mm-hmm. You know, and they're like, well, you know, now they're going to kind of represent some of the divided problems that we have in our own country and stuff. All right, whatever, that's fine. You know, that's yeah, I can you, roll with that. You know, well, I was going to ask you, um, what do you think your uh, the odds are that we see Spock in this show? Because I think it's hundred percent. God, I hope not. And it's going to piss. I mean, again, uh, well, and going back to what you said too about there's going to be some sort of weird wrinkle with Sarek and stuff. Mm-hmm. I just have a bad time paradox. City on the edge of forever. Let's fix this. Let's fix the timeline, sort of thing. Oh, really? That's Interesting. My fear. Yeah, that's my fear. Uh-huh. And it's so, and that is something that I always appreciated about what I read in those fifty-year mission books. 
that they're like, okay, we did it. You know, they did it back in the original series. Let's try and avoid that for a long time. And they did. And even Straczynski with Babylon 5 is like, all right, we're only going to do one time travel thing. We're only going to do it once, okay? Because everyone's sick of it and it's just, it's, you know, it could be interesting, but a lot of times it isn't. And again, I don't know. And it's everything we said in terms of, you know, growing pains of a first season. Another uh, conspiracy theory is that they are dis- they are dissatisfied with the show and that it is only going to be the one season um and uh that you know Myers Myers idea is going to be next year and they're going to claim that it was always meant to be an anthology series much like American horror story which I would have no problem with if that's the case well you know that's what the variety article claims was Brian Fuller's original pitch for the show was that it was going to be an anthology series and discovery was only going to be the first season i hope so I, I kind of so, well, and again because I th- I'd be down for that. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's okay. The other thing that's bothering me too is the whole release of it, and that we're only getting half, and then we got to wait two months for the second half. Agreed. I also don't like that they're releasing it weekly. I, it's it's like, come on, know your. It's just like the tick. The tick just came out. Yeah, and they have their whole first season done, but they only release the first six episodes, and the sixth episode ends on a cliffhanger that is obviously an episodic cliffhanger not a season cliffhanger okay and it bothers me that i have to wait three months just to get the conclusion to this one scene and (laughs) i read online that they that the creators did it that way because they wanted to curb binge viewing and my response to that is get current with the times yes well you could swear if you want i'd say fuck yeah (laughs) yeah yeah there you go yeah fuck you Binge viewing is where it's at. I was trying to be polite. No, I no, and you know I agree. And also, but I also know that streaming is a new animal, and everyone is experimenting and seeing what they can and can't do. Bendis and those guys with powers—they, you know—they were only doling that out every couple episodes uh, when when the two seasons of Powers was coming out. So I, I I agree with you to make you wait a couple months for the second half is bullshit. Um, and again, that's uh, the weekly thing. If it was if it was the whole show, because didn't I know Hulu's done with that with certain shows? Yeah, I think they did with like the Path and the Hand Handmaid's Tale and stuff like that. Yeah, so I mean, again, you know, but I, and I'm with you. I will buy CBS All Access because, like we said, I mean, I my standby <sighs> line is always if it's Star Trek Klingon latrine cleaning, I would watch. It's fun. <laughs> it's Star Trek. I've got to watch. Yeah, I'm the same way, man. If it's Star Trek, I've I've seen everything Star Trek. I, I have to keep going seeing everything Star Trek. It's 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 really the universe that I probably love more than comic books. I really do. I yeah. I you know, again, and we'll we'll see, but but it does it does bother me that yeah, I guess it's gonna uh stop after the first week in November and then it's coming back in January. They they haven't even spec- specifically said uh what what week in January or what date in January it's coming back? So and yeah. I, and I'm hearing I, are they done filming? Did, did the Variety uh, article say that they're done filming? I don't know. As far as I know, they're still filming. That's what and I they thought. not and I don't think they're going to finish filming till like October. Okay, okay. So well, I know, yeah, I know part of that too was and I forget the actress's name from Walking Dead that plays Michael. Uh, yeah, she, she she they had to delay the series because of her right. uh, Michelle. Yeah, she plays Michael Burnham. I can't remember. Her yes, name. yes, three names. She's one of those three yes. name actresses, which is fine. <laughs> but yeah, hey, I liked her on Walking Dead. Sure. I think I think she, I think she'll do a solid job. Honestly, I I think I agree, and I and I like what Michelle uh, Yo looks like. I, I 
everyone that they've shown so far, even uh, Jason, British guy that plays asshole captain. I th- Jason, oh, uh, Jason Isaacs. Yeah, there you go, Jason Isaacs, exactly. Mm-hmm. No, they're, they're all fine actors, and I'm sure it's going to be interesting. And also, by the way, going back to why we love Deep Space Nine, and I'm glad you mentioned the whole xenophobia thing, I can appreciate where Roddenberry was coming from in the 60s. And, and certainly in that period, wanting to show, hey, guess what? By the 22nd or 23rd century, we're going to get our shit together. And at least Earth is going to you know, get beyond all the pettiness and stuff. And that's a nice thought. But I do think that there is just a basic human nature of xenophobia and, and uh, mistrust and just conflict. And I think taking conflict away really hurts you from a story standpoint. So I don't mind Agreed. disagreements. And again, that's why I think that's why Deep Space Nine was as interesting as it was. I mean, Major Roddenberry was very, I think, not pleased with Deep Space Nine. So I don't think this is Gene's vision. But it's like, well, I get it. But, you know, again, I, I'm psyched for the uh, DS9 uh, documentary they're making. Yes, me too. You know, it's, you talked about Gene's vision. It's very interesting because I think Gene Roddenberry is very similar to George Lucas. And the point that I'm going to make with that is I think they had a great idea that other people made way better. Yeah. With Irving, Irving Kirshner, excuse sure. me, made Empire Strikes Back, the best Star Wars Agreed. movie. I think everybody agrees. Um, I think Gene Kuhn, the writer yes. for the original TOS, wrote the best TOS Star Trek episodes. And I think Michael Piller is the reason why Star Trek The Next Generation became the huge hit it was and eventually got nominated for Best Drama Emmy. Agreed. And in fact, watching uh, John Delancey's panel and him talking about Legend and Michael Piller. Uh, that was the steampunk show that Richard Dean Anderson did on UPN. Only lasted 13 episodes. And uh, it's uh, I, I went out and bought the DVD. I haven't sit, sat down and watched the 13 episodes. But I'm like, yeah, you know something? I trust Michael Pillar. I really like Richard Dean Anderson. I always think he's charming. And I'm a big Delancey fan. I'm like, I'm going to finally sit down and watch Legend. I didn't watch it when it was on. I don't know. Do you remember that show at all or no? I know I know of it because a friend of mine uh, bought uh, one of the copy DVDs at San Diego Comic-Con. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, was it a bootleg? <laughs> yeah, it was one of the Oh, bootlegs. that's funny. I didn't know they actually made a real one. Yeah, well, that's I went on Amazon and searched it. It was there. I'm like, oh, fantastic. So that's only one, you know, it's 13 episodes, so it's a, it's a reasonably priced uh, set. Uh, but yeah, I'm like, okay. And I, and I really appreciate Steampunk, and I appreciated the idea behind it. But yeah, I agree with you. Michael Pillar was a, a great writer. And, uh, I, you know, again, yeah, I think you're right. I, uh, David Gerald in the original uh, series and stuff. I mean, I think, you know, he Trouble with Tribbles, he wrote that. And uh, was part of the team that they put together initially for Next Generation when they brought back Next Generation. Uh, have, you, uh, have we talked? Have you seen Chaos on the Bridge on Netflix? I have seen <laughs> Chaos on the Bridge. I think it's, uh, it's a really funny idea for a documentary because you could tell William Shatner didn't want to pay – you know, for pictures of anybody, <laughs> well, so he just an- maybe they he had somebody though. animate them all. Yeah, but actually, I think it's more um, maybe oh entertaining that well, way, uh, an unauthorized documentary. Ah, uh, oh, you're probably right. You know it probably I mean? isn't unauthorized. You know, it's interesting. I love his documentary that he made that was the captains, yes. where he talked to all the different captains, and it's so interesting because you quickly learn that Patrick Stewart is a genius. Uh, <laughs> Kate Mul- Kate Mulgrew hates Voyager. Scott. <laughs> Scott Bakula just wants to ride horses all day. And then I was so glad to hear your Avery Brooks tr- story because from the captains, it kind of seems like Avery Brooks is certifiably a saint. Yeah, well, he's just on like, his own wavelength. And, and uh, 
you know, there's the documentary, and then also they did the episodes of The Captains, which involves the, the rest of the cast. And they all kind of say that about uh, Avery Brooks, that he really was on his own wavelength, and he is kind of like, you know, ultra-intelligent to the point where he really is just kind of working on a different wavelength. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't. <laughs> oh man, I I would be afraid and intimidated actually to meet Avery Brooks. So I was I was very pleased to hear your story. <laughs> Could not have been nicer. And it was so. And he's such a giant. He's so tall. It's like and oh, I, I mean I'm a I'm 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 almost a jockey. I'm five nine. So hell, I'm actually five eight. I'm sure I'm shrinking. Sadly, I've reached that point in my life when you start shrinking. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was just like oh my god, it's him. It's Cisco. So I would love to meet Shatner, and I know, I and believe me, I'm aware of all you know the ego and stuff. But mm-hmm. that's okay; mm-hmm. that's part of the ride, man. I, I I think it would be great, and I and I'm really bummed because it seems like DeForest Kelly was just such a lovely man, and, and yeah, and what a cool. Mm-hmm. He's one of those guys. The other guy like that is Oscar Goldman from the Six Million Dollar Man, Richard Anderson. These guys were contract players at their studios and did every kind of movie. And it's so yeah. fun on Turner Classic Movies when DeForest Kelly pops up, not just in Westerns, but so many other uh, Man in the Gray Flannel Suit kind of Madison Avenue films where he's just suddenly there and is an executive or something like that. There's an amazing story from um, from These Are the Voyages, that book I told you, yeah. where they break down every episode. They take you through the drafts. And it's like the fourth or fifth episode of the first season of TOS. And DeForest Kelly talks about – he gave an interview where – it's his first scene with like Kirk over a patient or whatever. And Shatner, you know, keeps blowing the takes and doing stuff. And DeForest Kelly, like asks for a break, takes Shatner aside and goes, what are you doing? And Shatner goes, Oh, I'm trying to, trying to get it better. I'm trying to get there. And DeForest Kelly goes, Hey son, let me tell you, this is how acting works. You get it in the first take. So that way you can go sit in your chair and read a book. (laughs) That's outstanding. That's yeah, and I, I was like, of course, Shatner would be the one to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to do 25 takes. And DeForest Kelly's like, nope, done in one. That's fantastic. Oh my god. <laughs> you know, again, that chemistry. You know, the, those three guys. They they were so good. Yeah, the best. The best. Really. Yeah. And and it, that's a, you know, yeah. one and, and Next Generation had its own chemistry. I mean, certainly Spider and Stewart and uh, Riker. You know, and and Dorn. My God, Michael Dorn, amazing. You know, yeah. and, the, and, and shame on me. The women, the men, the women were great, and the women had their moment. I love Marina Sirtis, and I, and I love that she's Greek, especially being Greek. Greeks mm-hmm. always get excited when another Greeks on TV or whatever. <laughs> uh, it's yeah. I think each cast has a little bit of special something. Yeah, yeah. And each show either taps on that really well or doesn't. Um, Enterprise did a really good job of creating another Kirk, Spock, and McCoy with Archer, T'Pol, and Trip. Yeah. Um, and you know it's interesting because I, I have a lot of conversations with some of my Star Trek friends too, where y- you talk about like who do you think are the best actors? Like who was the best cast? If you look at them as a whole, who's the best cast? And that's such a difficult question to answer because each cast has different strengths. Like, it seems like the TNG crew gels more, but the DS9 cast yeah. seemed to have, like, stronger individual episodes. Well, and, and again, I think there's just more of a building of, of character arc in Deep Space Nine than there was in Next Generation. You had a little sure. bit. I mean, you know, you got you got Troy becoming much more confident as a commander and stuff, and, uh, you know, Worf certainly going through being, you know, a, a little more accepting of his, you know, human 
friends and everything and kind of calming down. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I think I think Deep Space Nine really I think it beats them all. And honestly, with, with is, Enterprise, yeah. I I do think you know again there was just there was that they were just having problems. And, and the same thing with Voyager. Agreed. You know, I mean, there's just something something missing. The Frank, the format was a little tired by that. Yes, point. yes. Well, maybe Brandon Braga should have like walked away, and uh, that's why I'm interested because now he gets to make fun of it, and I do think mm. that's exciting. And almost energizing, and he's been away long enough that I'm excited about the Orville, and it's like, well, this is a guy who knows how Star Trek works, and let's see him have fun with it, and and be able to be on a show that doesn't have to take itself seriously. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll it'll be really interesting to see if, yeah, him outside of his comfort zone, because... Yeah, Enterprise really hit its stride in the fourth season Agreed. when Manny Cotto came Agreed. on. And it sort of became the show that it was supposed to be from season one. So, yeah, you know, it would be interesting to see what would that show be like if Manny Cotto was there in season one. Agreed. Did you ever see his show uh, Odyssey 5? Uh, no, but I've heard I've always heard good things. And it's always been one of those shows where people have told me, oh, if you like Star Trek, you'll like that show. It was really interesting. It was a great premise. They had an excellent cast. And it was it's very different. I mean, there's there is this like kind of family unit that forms because of their shared experience. But uh, that's interesting because I don't I think it's very un Star Trek like in terms of uh, the overarching story uh, idea that they had. But I, I think it's great. And I think he's a really, really brilliant writer and certainly showed it as well in 24 uh mm-hmm. but yeah i i agree with you yeah manny Cotto, it was it's a shame that he he wasn't able to come in sooner and run things because yeah it's it's tough you know did you ever hear chase masterson had a podcast very briefly for like a year or so and she no. and she had brandon braga on right after the last episode of enterprise and they and they would stream live and then post the show and uh they took live questions and live comments, and a lot of Trek fans were like, yeah, that was a big letdown, man. That last episode was a real letdown. And he really took it and was like, no, I understand where you're coming from. All we can say is we tried to make it a tribute to the entire franchise, and obviously that we get it. But he's like, you know, we weren't thinking, you know, that it was that insulting. He said the cast let us know, unfortunately. Again, go back to that 50-year mission uh, books and, mm-hmm. and read all that stuff. It's very, very interesting, and yeah, he's you know, yeah. He said in interviews that that's the only time he ever saw Scott Bakula mad. Wow, was when Scott when when Scott Bakula read that script. Sure. Well, they were they you were know, guest it, stars it, in their own series, in their own series finale. Yeah, the real series finale of Enterprise or the two the two parter right before that with RoboCop. Yep, exactly. Peter Weller. Peter Weller also <laughs> Peter in Weller. lead of Odyssey Five. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And also in Star Trek, I like to call him Admiral Robocop. That's right. Exactly. Yes. He's uh, he's uh, <laughs> what's her uh, name's uh, Eve. Eve. Uh, God. Carol uh, Marcus. Uh, um, he's, yeah. He's, he's Admiral he's Marcus. Admiral Marcus. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, you know, and also, of course, he was an excellent Batman in the Dark Knight Return. Uh, oh, that was a great two parter as well. Absolutely, man. Too funny. Well, okay, let me ask you. I want to hear your opinion as you come from a TOS more thing, sure. you know, aside that I'm a TNG guy, that that's how I got into it. Do you have, if somebody was to come up to you and say, what's the greatest episode of Star Trek ever? Which, what do you have an answer for, for that? For all the for all the various shows. All the shows. Every show is, is in one, is in the, the running. The one greatest episode. The one greatest episode of all Star Trek. Well, honestly, being an being a TOS guy, probably sitting on the edge of forever. 
because it's a good choice. Because yeah, man. I mean, really, like that is when Kirk and Spock are really just like Jim. She's got to die, and it's just and that. And also, I and uh, in Wrath of Khan, the subtext of Wrath of Khan is beautiful because it's it is. And now it's a cliche. I'm getting too old for this shit. But <laughs> Spock is that reassuring hand of hey, we got this. We've done this a million times. I know you're not feeling like you're you can handle this. I know you can. So don't worry. I've got your back. And they go through that entire thing, and the Genesis you know device explodes, but they're out of danger. And he turns and looks, and there's that empty chair. And 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 you know, Jim, you better come down here. And it's like, mm-hmm. holy fuck, my best friend is dying. And uh, that's why Star Trek Into Darkness was so hollow. When they tried to recreate that, and it's oh my god, you're my best friend. It's like yeah, no, I think you guys just met about six months ago. I'm sure you like each other, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like no, man, you haven't earned that. These guys earned it. And again, going back to sitting on the edge of forever. I mean, that's the thing. It's like just this very quiet. And again, Spock kind of letting himself be human for a second and say, yeah, she's got to go, man. And I hope you know, I, mm-hmm. I know you love her, but this this isn't going to work. So yeah, see, if I had to make that. Sh- yeah, if I had to make that choice, my pick is the Inner Light, the uh, Star Trek Next Generation episode where, Kanan. Uh, yeah, where Picard That's gets beautiful. zapped by that probe and lives forty years of his life in like twenty in twenty minutes, yes. and I mean a lot of that's Patrick Stewart, um, but I think it's a story that you could only really tell with Star Trek, and the scene at the very end where he plays the flute like gets me every oh, time, God. where he plays the song that he learned because you can tell like there's a certain point. In that episode where Picard gives up ever getting back to the Enterprise. And and then when he learns that it was all a dream, you're just like, whoa, what is this? This is so special. Yeah, when he's an old man and he's talking to his daughter and he's like, oh, it's me. Okay. (laughs) You know, he's almost like, oh, thank God. I I am still in here somewhere. That's great. Yeah, yeah, because they all all turn to him and they're just like, father, this was built for you. And he's like, what? No, of course. What, what, and, what if the ending of the inner light was when they turned to him and they were just like, Father, this is all been a simulation. He'd be like, oh, hair a heart attack. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> and of course, uh, best DS9 um, is in the pale moonlight where Cisco oh, that's a good one. himself to get the Romulans to join the, the you know, the fighting in the, with the Dominion. Uh, although that's a although great the one. other one, of course, the Visitor. Which old Jake? I, that's the one I was going to say. Yeah, I'm I'm a bit of a softy when it comes to the the episodes that I love. So, yeah, the the idea that Jake Cisco lives his entire life and his father shows up as a ghost every like you know ten years yes. is is so sad. Okay. Well, and also just again, I mean, you know, hey man, I lost my father at a young age. So yeah, to have the opportunity mm-hmm. of like, don't you understand? We're going to be together again, and it's like, oh yeah, yeah. man, <laughs> I get it mm-hmm. totally. Now, my favorite Voyager is the finale. Really, in game? Yes, because I I love and again we're dealing with time travel and alternate you know histories and stuff and let's fix the timeline. But when they armor up Voyager and it takes out the Borg cube with a single shot, and even the Borg cubes back up like, oh fuck, what's going on? <laughs> and it's the uh, same thing in Doctor Who after uh, they brought Doctor Who back, and you didn't know exactly what happened in the time war. But when it's like, oh, this is the Doctor, and the, the Daleks back up like, oh, fuck, it's the Doctor. And that's just so cool yeah. to see the, the, the villains that have always killed with, you know, without thinking and stuff. Suddenly like, all right, wait, the, the game's changed. And, and, and I, I like that moment. And I also like uh, a lot of what uh, 
they showed in terms of after Voyager came home. I appreciated all that in, in the in the previous timeline. However, my 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 big thing where Voyager I thought screwed up was they should have reached Earth mid season, and then have Starfleet go. Okay, welcome back. Okay, you're under arrest. You're under arrest. Let's take the board. I agree. You know, and I I would have I would have brought them home much sooner. I would have brought them home at the end of season six, and then you get a whole season of that, and, and go like a naval inquiry. Yep. Of like, okay, now yeah. you're going to have to explain your actions and the, you know, what you were doing there. Yeah, and seven of nine, we're going to dissect exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I said the same. And thing. a holographic doctor, you're just a broom. We're going to shut you right. off. Yeah, of course. Well, we'll, re- we'll reformat you because since you've been away, there've been improvements to the holograph. So we're, we're going to, you know, yeah. yeah, wipe out his memories, please. This, you know, memories. yeah, we we didn't, yeah, we didn't get enough of an epilogue with Voyager. Yes. yes. Yeah. So my favorite Voyager episode is Living Witness. Oh it's yeah, the, go on. Yeah, the one where they, they the backup copy of the doctors left on that planet for four hundred years, <laughs> and they've invented this fake or weird kind of history to Voyager, kind of like an archaeologist would yep. in terms of yeah, exactly. So they're like, oh, they were a terrible ship of monsters, and he's like, what? No. <laughs> I also like. Was it called Critical Care? Where uh, the, the uh, doctors on the one uh, planet that it's hilarious. I mean, it really kind of speaks to our issues today with healthcare, where. Uh, you know, it's oh god, I forget his name. He's the bad guy in Darkman, Durant. Larry, oh, no, I, I have not seen name. this. I don't remember this episode. Is not popping up. Oh in my head. wow, yeah. Uh, this uh, this con man gets the doctor's uh, hollow emitter or whatever, and uh, his program is in it, and uh, he sends him to this uh, planet that has like all these healthcare issues, and depending on your your place in society, you get better healthcare. Is is that the one that like it's a, like the, the ship is a hospital? Yes, I think so. Yeah, I thought it was a, pla- okay, I yeah, thought it was yeah, a planet yeah. hospital, but maybe it was a ship. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I remember that as a ship as a hospital, man. Yeah, you, see, that's that's something too. Like, I really, I really want Discovery to start. I want. I love those episodes that are metaphors. Sure. Or now, and you know, I for Star Trek. That's where like Star Trek really excels, and and I really hope Discovery does some of that too because I really think there's a lot of current issues right now that like could make uh, amazing, amazing episodes. It's funny when they were first talking about, oh, we're going to make Star Trek. And, you know, we're going to hire like a showrunner. Before they announced Brian Fuller, my pick for showrunner was actually the gentleman who make Black Mirror. That would have been amazing. Yeah, because I think they do an amazing job of like looking at our issues as a society. Agreed. And I was like, that's what Star Trek needs. Well, that's what Serling did with Twilight Zone. I, yes, exactly. There's an incredible uh, 50s interview he did with Mike Wallace. And Mike Wallace was much more pointed. Mike Wallace, formerly of 60 Minutes, uh, was much more pointed and confrontational in the 50s. And he asked Serling, he's like, why are you leaving serious drama to make this fantasy science fiction? What are you, what are you doing? And he's like, no, this gives me the opportunity to comment on today's issues and cloak them in futuristic settings or whatever. Aliens, minorities become aliens and... Uh, the same thing with the Western, I, I think, you know, and, and that's when science fiction really shines. It's best is when we look at what's what's going on today and the problems of today and they cloak it in, you know, science fiction. I think it's it's great. And, yeah, I agree with you. I think the best the best Star Trek episodes, let let it be your uh, last battlefield or uh, with, with Frank Gorshin, half white and half black. Mm-hmm, Tremendous mm-hmm. episode, you know. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. And oh, the private little war where it was basically the yeah, Vietnam a... analogy and everything. That's a really good one as well, yeah. So like there's some there's so many good episodes. I was actually it's funny, like 
Because I've been really, because of, I think because of the excitement of Discovery, I've been in a real big Star Trek tech, so I've been <laughs> going back to TNG. And I recently watched The Defector. And oh, that's a great one, The Romulan, yes. Yeah, it's where the Romulan guy comes over and he's like, I'm certain there's something going on on this planet. And then you find out that he was given all the bad information yep, set up. to uh, weed him out. And it's so funny because I was looking at that and I was like, oh, I wonder what they were trying to say. But then I looked at the production date and I was like, oh, that was in 1988 so or 89. This totally like they're dealing with the Cold War. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Or even possibly like I was going to say like Iran-Contra, but no, I think you're right. I think it probably even was that. more of a yeah, real no. Cold War thing. Well, and that's – again, that's what always the Romulans and the Klingons represented, the Cold War enemies and stuff and what was going mm-hmm. on. So no, I, I completely agree. They're uh, – yeah, I oh I had another one and I can't and now I'm no I'm forgetting. Uh yeah, it's no, it's great. Well, and of course, God the the wonderful one that addressed homosexuality with uh the uh the race that was all just one uh, gender. And oh, uh that's called oh man. Uh but yeah, where Riker goes to save the androgynous yes, uh, woman. Yes. Yes. And that was fantastic. I can't remember yeah, the name that of that. That was fantastic, yeah, yeah. man. So That was a really good one. There's so many there's so many great yeah, TNG, it's very interesting, especially like looking at TNG through a modern viewpoint. TNG tackles some very um, current transgender rights issues that I think for 1990 would have been like insane. Yeah. Agreed. I, I, and, yeah. and I think uh, also, you know, somebody, I forget which, uh, which website, somebody really like shit hammered uh, DS9. And it's like, man, you guys really missed the point of DS9 because, again, mm-hmm. God, DS9 handles such huge issues of religion and the idea of terrorism. And, and uh, yeah. you know, I mean, my God, it's in a lot of ways it was the Iraq conflict. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's it's amazing uh, what what they were able to do. And, uh, and also, again, I have to give them credit because they had that edict of – well, you know, there's there's nothing but peace on earth. So it forced the writers to really come up with uh, tougher stories, and they they succeeded. I mean, that's the thing they played in. They played by the rules, and were able to come up with some really interesting stories because of these uh, conditions that were put on them. That no, you can't have people arguing or whatever. So yeah, exactly. Is and you you brought up a great idea the the idea of Kira because imagine if DS Nine was a series that was created after nine eleven. Yes, because Kira is essentially almost the Taliban. She's essentially a, like that idea. And the fact that she was the second lead of the show is such many shows wouldn't do that, well, do, especially even do today. You remember, I, I don't know if it was sci-fi or Spike running the reruns after 9-11. They pulled them for a while. They pulled DS. Really? I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. And I think, again, because they knew how sensitive it was. But also... Depending on your point of view with history, uh, some people would say terrorists. Some people would say freedom fighters. You could argue, obviously, exactly. that you know the col- the colonials that rebelled against the British and stuff. I guess they were terrorists if you're British. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, exactly. But, it's all it's all points yeah. of view. No, it's it, and again, that's this is well, like we said, I certainly hope that Discovery uh, tackles you know these issues, and it sounds like they're going to try with what they're doing with the Klingons in particular, and also even. Possibly some of the politics of the Federation sound like they're going to come into play. Mm-hmm. It'll it'll be interesting to see what the ha- happens. But no matter what, I mean, there's a really good Star Trek to boldly go, or Star Trek boldly go is by Mike Johnson's a great yes. comic book. So if you don't like the show, just go read the comic book. <laughs> I agree, and honestly, <laughs> that and uh, God, what's the anthology? Uh, Wait, oh, uh, Waypoint. Yeah, Waypoint. 
man, that's great yeah. too. So yeah. no, honestly, I, I've I've had Sarah Gatos, uh, the editor of of the Trek IDW books, and Mike on, and I've let uh, the IDW people know. I'm like, I want Sarah back, you know, as soon as possible, and probably wait till I, we. I sat next to Sarah um, at the start uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation 30th anniversary panel. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's fantastic. I haven't had the chance to meet her yet. I hope she'll be in New York. Are you going to be in New York? I will be at New York Comic Con. Yes, I'll be there all four days, and uh, we'll actually have uh, uh, copies of Jupiter Jet Number One early, early preview oh, there as well. All right, fantastic, yeah, excellent, yeah. and uh, and I do want. Yeah, we'll pick up this conversation more, dude. You should come back. I, I want to talk DC with you too. Now I know you're a dude. I would. You're a company man. I would love. To. Okay, good. <laughs> well, let's, I do. I work for the show. I would love to come back. Uh, hopefully, your listeners won't be bored of our giant circular star trek oh no dude as i said on on twitter and i meant it uh and i'll tease this because rob burnett who directed free enterprise and is uh has been on many times we've done pure star trek conversations and i i love this i love the subject i don't i understand that there's you know star trek fans and star wars fans and obviously star trek may not be as fashionable as being a star wars fan but can't help it man and that was my that I, was my jam. Well, you know, years before Star Star Wars happened. So me too, man. And and I, and I know I I totally realize that I'm starting to become the difference instead of the norm with that. <laughs> um, but I, I love Rob. Rob's a friend of mine, and oh, he's such great. a cool dude. And I I love talking Star Trek with him. I love talking Star Trek with anybody, man. Um, in fact, I said the the first the night we met face to face at San Diego Comic Con. Um, it was so funny because you said that I was sitting there because I was waiting for for Tom yep. King and we were gonna have a drink and whatever and you came over and we we had an amazing conversation and then as soon as Tom showed up I, it's so funny the first thing he said to me was well besides sorry for being late the second thing he said to me was hey man have you read this fifty year mission book. <laughs> <laughs> that's outstanding no man yeah because he's a super he, it, it's funny one of my favorite memories of a con and, and, and this has to do with star trek sure. is a couple years back two three years back um my current wife and i made a web series called the red shirt diaries okay <laughs> and it was the idea of we did uh the first 30 episodes of tos but from the viewpoint of the lowest ranked <laughs> member on the enterprise <laughs> So, of course, to her, her friends are constantly dying. She doesn't like the captain. And, like, weird aliens are constantly attacking the ship. Um, because if you go back and watch the first 10 episodes, 30 episodes of TOS, that's that's what yeah, happens, right? Yeah. Um, and so my very first interview with Tom King that I was doing for DC All Access, I think it was at a WonderCon, like, three years okay. ago. And Ashley, who was my girlfriend at the time, um, like met up with me because I, I just had to finish the interview with Tom and I was done for the day. And she came and she brought me water and Tom, we were like just chit chatting after the interview and he looked at her and he was like, Oh my God, red shirt diaries. And we were like, Holy shit, you watch that? And he was like, dude, I'm a huge Star Trek guy. So if you ever get Tom on here again, you've got to do like a Star Trek roundtable with him oh, as well. Oh, that'd be great. Well, you know, honestly, I, I thought about having you and Rob together, but then I'm like, no, you know something I, I really want to you – know, I'm always – I think one-on-ones are easier and better as far as conversation okay. and stuff. You know, and, and it just flows better because, you know, uh, I, I don't mind as, uh, the occasional round, you know, round robin with a couple people on. But there's so many times when an artist and a writer are like, hey, let's have us both on. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do that because I, I have a feeling I'm going <laughs> to – somebody's not going to get enough mic time as far as one of you. 
Oh, I would have to- I would have been totally happy as well. We also I have to introduce you to my good friend Scott Mance as well, who um, he he's a reporter for Access Hollywood, okay. but he also hosts a lot of panels for Star Trek Las Vegas. The Discovery panels that you see online, he's the moderator oh, cool. of both those panels. Okay. Oh, that's cool. And, and he's a totally – he would talk about Star Trek for days. <laughs> well, it was – when I met Rob a couple – only a couple of years ago, I, I came up to him after one of his panels and I just said, hey, man, I just want to tell you I love Free Enterprise. And I said, oh, I do a podcast called Wordblue. He's like, oh, I listen to you. And I'm like, oh, that's great, man. So I'm like, well, now you got to come on. And that's – th- and Rob and I are you know kind of close enough in age and stuff. He's a little bit younger but only like a handful of years. And uh, yeah, it's – it's no, I, I always love it. And I love – how opinionated he is, and I and I, yeah, he's, I he'll put his foot down. <laughs> absolutely, man, and it's great. And that's the thing. And half the time I'm laughing, and I I know he understands. I'm like, I am not laughing at you. It's more joy of how opinionated you are. And 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 mm-hmm. I mean, and he's like a lawyer. I mean, he can you know chapter and yeah. verse, and has a very clear vision. I'm I'm very excited to see what he and Alex Peters do with uh, the other two parts of Axanar that they're working on. And I'm glad that they were able to settle. And uh, you know, proceed and, and and make them. It's funny. I even watched Prelude Axanar again today before our talk. Oh, uh, oh nice. Oh, yeah. And I and I'm really glad. It sounds like they're going to follow that same kind of documentary format to accommodate their limitations of what they can do with two 15 minute segments to finish things up. Well, let's put well, let's put one more Star Trek sure. question out there before I roll out okay. of here. What's your fa- What's your favorite ship? That is hilarious because I bought three Eagle Moss uh, ships, and uh, you know I love the classic design. Everybody, but that's too easy. Uh, I really love the Defiant and the Delta Flyer. Nice, good picks. <laughs> what, what's your favorite ship? <laughs> Mine, uh, by the way, I have Eagle Mosses on my on my desk right now. That I'm talking to you, I, I have four, and they're all <laughs> ships that have personal connections to me. Um, I have the Phoenix from First Contact. I have the Enterprise E from First Contact. Excellent. I have, I have the NX01. Very nice. Because I love that design. Sure. And then I have my favorite ship of all time, which is the Defiant. There you, um, <laughs> you know, for me as a kid who, like, again, I, I discovered it with Encounter at Farpoint, and then I eventually went back to TOS. You know, I thought starships were all, they have the saucer section, they have the neck, they have the yep. nacelles. And then when I saw the Defiant, it kind of exploded my little kid brain <laughs> and i was like wait a minute ships can't look like this and and i think i just kind of fell in love with it <laughs> i also have my third one that i have from eagle moss and i can't remember the name of, oh the prometheus it's the one with oh yeah the andy dick mm-hmm. episode of voyager yeah where, yeah yeah because where they the doctor for the first time goes to the alpha yes, quadrant and they upload them into yeah. the ship and every and they have to like romulans have taken over the ship and they've got to get it back and I just thought that design yeah. was really interesting and stuff. If, so if I had all the money and all the space in the world, I'd own every one of those Eagle Moss models. Agree. But unfortunately, unfortunately, I don't. I, I agree, man. <laughs> and no, they were they were kind enough to give me one for free, and they were like twenty. Oh, look at 20 you! Twenty bucks, you know, last year in New York, and I'm like, all right, I'll buy two, and I'll and I'll take a free one. So nice, nice. Look, throwing out that word balloon cred. Look at hey, you, man. You, you know, dude, you got well. It only, it only takes me so far. It takes me about across the street, and that's about as far as it. Takes. <laughs> so you've got the DC All Access cred. Nice going. Did you have a press pass for uh, Vegas? Uh, no, I had a, 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 a an All Access badge because my friend Scott Mance was like, "Here you go." Outstanding. Good for you, man. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, excellent. He he's a he's a close friend of mine. Um, we also do the the. Collider movie trivia schmodown. Okay. 
which is this movie trivia contest. And me and him are the team that we're and we call ourselves Team Trek. Hilarious. So that's awesome. Uh, but yeah, he I actually wasn't going to go this year. And, and he was like, I got a pass for you. Come on down. So too much, man. All right. I just saw your yeah, note yeah. and I'm oh. uh, and I'm going to let you go. But uh, now this was great, Jason. Honestly, it was a pleasure. And uh, we'll do it again, and we'll talk DC, and we'll also talk Jupiter Jets. So, yeah, ex- expect a few more uh, uh, pokes in the uh, shoulder to, to come on Word Balloon in the months ahead. John, just let me say, as a fan of this podcast, truly the pleasure and honor was mine. I had, I had a blast. Thank you so much for having me on the show. That's Jason Inman, and uh, it's always a pleasure to talk about Star Trek with a fellow Trekker. And uh, I look forward to hopefully having another conversation before uh star trek discovery gets started if not certainly uh when it gets running i I have a few uh friends in mind that are uh old standbys that have uh, talked trek before on this podcast and i hope to have them back but uh in addition to that man so many great conversations coming up i uh god i've got like four episodes in the can right now and i'm so excited because they're about new books and new directions for uh comic book companies and uh, imprints, that's a little hint, but uh, men and women that I am so delighted to have on, in some cases for the very first time, and uh, God, I cannot wait to share this stuff with you on Word Balloon, plus there's a like another half dozen people that are circling around going, alright, let's talk, let's talk in September. So uh, I'm hoping that uh, I'm able to release all this in the month and give you a nice uh, juicy September filled with uh, Word Balloon podcasts and great conversation. So uh, you can hear I have a cold a little bit, but don't worry, I'm, I'm on the uh, recovery end of it, and uh, I should be fine by the next episode. But uh, I hope you'll enjoy uh, some of the great conversations coming up in the days and weeks ahead right here on Word Balloon. Thanks a lot for listening today. All brought to you by uh, the League of Word Balloon listeners. Again, thank you, League, for your support. If uh, you are able to and are interested in helping uh, Word Balloon out by subscribing, go to wordballoon.com, click on the Patreon ad, or go to patreon.com slash wordballoon, and, uh, you know, you can subscribe there. But uh, truly, if you can afford, uh, you know, like I said, is, is the price of a comic book too much to ask? Uh, I, I, I hope that uh, you appreciate the, uh, the conversations and entertainment I try to bring uh, in each episode here on Word Balloon. So thank you, as always, League of Word Balloon listeners. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. Really neat uh, collections that are available now at InStock Trades. Among them, I, what did I just see that really excited me? Lots of, lots of great reprint stuff, but also current stuff. Hey, our buddy Tom King. Volume 3 of Batman, I Am Bane. It's Tom King and Dave Finch. It is a great story, and Tom is killing it. The War of Jokes and Riddles has been hilarious, and I've, I've enjoyed it. Uh, but uh, I really think uh, that Tom hit the ground running, and I think Volume 3 and I Am Bane is a perfect example of that. But uh, check it out for yourself. This uh, great volume, 176 pages, 42% off, $9.85. Great value, under 10 bucks. And you get a great trade. This is the way things are going now, man. I'm telling you, really, really cool stuff. Uh, there's the Doctor Strange Punisher combination, Magic Bullets. Is this old? It looks old. Oh, no. Well, maybe not. I'm not sure. I got to be honest. I'm not even sure about this uh, this uh, team. And I'm a little confused. And I guess on the, on the header, it doesn't have the, uh, it doesn't have the creative team. 
But that sounds like a great combination, uh, the Punisher and Doctor Strange, an unlikely duo. But this collects Doctor Strange, Punisher, Punisher Magic Bullets 1 through 4. And uh, seems like a neat little volume, 128 pages, 45% off, $8.79. Another great value. We can reach back for Shadow of the Bat, Volume 2. What a team. Alan Grant, Norm Brayfogel. Alan Grant, another one of those wonderful British writers. Unlike Pat Mills, likes superheroes. And that's okay, because he brought it when he was writing Batman. And Norm Brayfogel, you can't say enough about the man. And, uh, God, I really hope that, much like Frank Frazetta, Norm is able to recover from that stroke that he had. He's not drawing these days. So this is a great way to put some money in Norm Brayfogel's pocket and also enjoy some excellent uh, Shadow of the Bat work. This includes uh, Shadow of the Bat 13 through 24 and the first annual. Uh, it ties into uh, the Night Quest epic with uh, Jean-Paul uh, Valley, uh, Azrael taking over as Batman. But uh, these were really neat stories. And uh, 352 pages, 42% off, $17.39. Pretty cool stuff, man. And as you know, we've talked about it before on other Star Trek-related podcasts. IDW has a slew of great Star Trek collections waiting for you at great prices at InStockTrades.com. So do yourself a favor. Go there, check it out, and uh, get some great books at great prices. InStockTrades.com. Thanks for listening to Word Balloon. Thanks for listening to me blather. I talked a little bit more on this one than uh, I have on other uh, podcasts. Usually I like to, you know, get in, rob the bank, and get the hell out. But uh, a lot on my mind be- between uh, the release of No Plan B, my contribution to that, and uh, also really, uh, like I said, I'm I'm hoping for the best for Star Trek. I can't deny a little nervousness. I got no... I, I, I think it's great that a woman of color is the lead character. And I think uh, a lot of the broad strokes, I think, are ambitious, and I'm looking forward to how they do their stories. That said, again, another prequel. Are we still stuck in the JJ-verse despite their claims that it's canon? Is there going to be some sort of BS time paradox explanation for this new sibling of Spock's? Ugh, I don't know. I don't like it. I, 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 you know, couldn't she have just been raised on Vulcan? Does she have to be raised by Sarek? It makes the universe smaller. And that's something that I don't think Gene Roddenberry would be very happy about. I think he wanted to push forward and keep going, going, you know, exploring the, the, the endless boundaries of space. That's what Star Trek is all about, the final frontier. Well, don't, don't retreat. Don't look backwards. Let's go forward. Damn it. <laughs> anyway. Have a good Labor Day weekend. I almost said Memorial Day weekend. That shows you I'm still a little punchy. But uh, hopefully another episode of uh, Word Balloon to uh, give you something to listen to on the drive back post-Labor Day. And certainly more great stuff coming up in September right here on Word Balloon. Thanks again for listening. Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions. Copyright 2017. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.